Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow us on YouTube forward slash Wayne in. Also hit me up on IG at the real punk. Thank you so much. Big John McCarthy. You can check me out, John McCarthy MMA on Twitter and Instagram, and then check us out on Instagram, Weighing In Show. Make sure you got to put the show at the end of it, but check us out. We are here for you. If you got any questions, anything you want us to talk about, let us know. All right, guys, you're here with Big John McCarthy, Josh Thompson. We're here for another show of weighing in and we are going to do our quick little we're going to do it normally we normally do go into topics that are not recaps okay did you say we're going to be quick yeah no i don't like to use those words (laughs) (laughs) with the two of us i don't like to use those words are we ever quick no okay let's go (laughs) so i I don't i don't normally like to do like for this show i normally don't want to do the recaps but i think given the fact that last weekend had such great fights ufc 241 daniel cormier fighting Stipe Miocic, and then we had uh, Anthony Pettis fighting Nate Diaz after a long three-year layoff, and then... Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. Was absolutely phenomenal. Ho! What a fight. What a fight, man. Just incredible, especially when you look at... You look at Yoel Romero, 42 years of age. There's something special in those genes from Cuba, I'm telling you, because he's just made of steel. The guy is incredible. He acts... He's so calm in there. He acts like he's heard. He sits there and he does weird stuff just trying to lull you in. Just an incredible performance. But, man, you take a look at Borchina, Paulo Costa. What a fight he put on. Incredible. He fought He fought aggressive. He stayed aggressive the whole time. Guys normally sometimes will start off aggressive against uh, Romero, but then when they don't, they don't continue to be aggressive once they get hit with the big shot or the big takedown comes. They normally back off and become a timid fighter, then he slowly kind of lulls you to sleep, like I had talked yep. about before with the Hermes Franca thing when I fought him a long time ago. He was real slow and patient and waited for you, wait for you. Big shots, big takedowns, those kind of things. That's what Romero does very well, and I think Costa just didn't pay any attention to that. He didn't care. There was a couple times he stopped the takedowns, scrambled really well back to his feet. Young, explosive. I think not only has he now become a star, I think this is something they can build and piggyback off of their organization. Will be The UFC will be able to piggyback his not only his good looks, not only his fighting style, but just the way he's able to talk and market himself. And he's, I think, obviously, for more marketing purposes, probably learn how to speak English a little bit better. But I think he's on his way, man. I think he's right there. He's a star. Oh, he's, look at, he's the full pack. He's huge for 185. Just huge. I did a fight of his. They weighed him in the night of the fight. He was 228. I was told he was somewhere around 213 to 215 the night of the fight for this one. But I know I know he's gotten smarter. He's starting to strip down in the back when they go to weigh him at night. <laughs> he's not not doing the street clothes anymore. But I mean, just an incredible fight. I mean, and just like what you said, he had a game plan and he stuck to his game plan and he kept going forward with it because his his whole game plan. I'm going to pressure him. I'm going to make him feel uncomfortable. I'm going to make him shoot. I'm going to stop those shots and I'm going to score with my counters. And he did a great job with it. Yeah, I mean, I was watching, I was reading something on MMA fighting. I believe they had Romero winning the fight three rounds to none. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand how that, maybe I misread it, but I was watching and reading their content and it said Romero, they thought they had won, Romero had won three rounds. I was like, I was baffled by that decision. Um, Look, I thought it was a great fight. That, That fight lived up to potential. 
I expected um, the Anthony Pettis and Nate Diaz to be kind of a lackluster fight if Pettis had fought a smarter game plan. He didn't fight that way. He fought a game plan that, in my mind, I have no idea what he was thinking. Like if you take the play, if you take the playbook from GSP, <laughs> yeah. from Carlos Condit, from myself, <laughs> from guys that have fought these guys. I, I think you would have made a way easier fight. Maybe it wouldn't have been as entertaining, but the chances of getting the knockout would have been there. I'll, I'll agree with you in certain things. Look at Anthony didn't fight. Anthony got forced into a specific type of fight. That's what Nate did to him. That's what Nate does. And, you know, when you went and you fought Nate, look at you did a great job of your movement was exaggerated. You did that on purpose during that fight. And you stuck and moved and you frustrated Nate in a fashion where then he's standing towards the middle, kind of like, hey, what's up, bitch? And now he's that guy that's not doing what he likes to do because he likes to put a pressure. And this is what we talked about last week. Look at Nate brings pressure. And that pressure, you know, is very hard to deal with if you start to set your feet, which is what Anthony did. He starts setting his feet. Now Nate's closed. Now he's in on him. Now he's got to deal with him, and Nate did a great job of taking away a set of tools that Anthony has, and he's got he's very good at it. His kicks are outstanding, and he got kicked in the very first part of that fight and realized, ah, no, I'm pressuring, I'm coming in, and he took that set of tools away, and then he made it a boxing match, and in the boxing match, he's a hard guy to deal with. Yeah, I think also, too, there was uh, – I seen a post from Anthony Pettis saying that he was at the hospital. His foot was broken. Broke his foot, I think, in the middle or the end of the first round. That can restrict your movement as well, as well as wanting to throw the kicks, you know, obviously if your foot is broken. Um, yeah. But overall, it lived up to the hype, the potential. You oh. just, every time you see cards like this, you think to yourself, is this going to live up to it? <clears throat> and yep. I felt like every fight lived up to the potential of what it could have been. Yeah, but, you know, and sometimes you get these big cards and they just don't deliver what you think is the possibility of the fights and how they play out. This one delivered on everyone, even even the undercard. I watched everyone from the fight pass ones through the prelims on ESPN all the way to the main uh, card for pay-per-view. And look at every, every fight was outstanding, you know, all the way – those two and then the the championship fight was just an incredible heavyweight fight you look at the amount of shots both of those guys threw the amount of shots both of those guys took and the way that fight played out i know your heart was broken that dc lost but man i'll tell you what you couldn't have asked for a guy he was putting everything he had into that fight he was hitting he hit he hit steep a with some big shots he had him hurt at times and you got to give it to Stipe, man. He just bared down, bit down on that mouthpiece, and said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not going away. You're gonna have to kill me." And man, you know, he found that left hook to the body, and that was the difference maker. It started hitting. You could see it started to have an effect, and he was able to get rid of DC. That was a fantastic performance by Stipe. Yeah, I thought, I thought. There's so much I want to say. Um, <laughs> there is. <laughs> I thought DC said it all. I'm not going to say anything that anyone hasn't had him, hasn't heard him say already. He's upset at himself. He didn't fight the game plan. The game plan was to do what he did in the first round, was to wrestle. First round was it. To keep first the frustration, to keep the frustration levels going. Fight the game plan. He, he's mad at himself. He also, and I've been in this situation where you feel like you can't be hurt. There's times where you get hit by someone, you're like, that, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be for a heavyweight. 
You know, and then he had the huge takedown in the first round. He's like, look, I can take him down anytime I want. But as the fight went on, he had less and less of a chance to take him down. And it just didn't it didn't add up. So as time went on, he was having a, he was the explosion to get to the legs and all those things started going backwards. And then oh, it was yeah, just, just like, OK, look, let's just throw the takedowns out the door. And then they weren't there anymore. And he just didn't capitalize on it. And I was beyond all this, beyond everything that we're talking about right now. In my mind, I'm just thinking to myself, do you do it again? Like you were winning. You're yeah, you were up three rounds to none. I know it's I know it sucks to go out on you know with a loss. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine I'm pretty much retired. I'm I'm coming out on a loss. And in I'm thinking to him, like, you've done everything you could possibly do in the sport. Like, what else can you do? Yep. You have a full career beyond this that is just waiting for you to to potentially cover football, baseball, basketball, anything you want. Like he writes his own ticket. Like he that's where he's at in his life. And so does he do it again to probably win it? And does the UFC let him do it again? Because they know if he wins, he's probably going to retire in the cage. Now they have a vacant title and they're running this all over again. Do they give him the courtesy of doing that? That's the that's the other issue. Like, you know, uh, they, there, there's no, no doubt in my mind. If he wants to fight again, if he wants that rematch, he wants that trilogy. Dana loves DC and he will give him that. He loves him. Look, let's be honest about it, okay? And DC's just got to look at, and this is where I look at certain things with fighters. You know, Daniel got knocked out when he fought John Jones. When I when I did that the uh, the second fight, he got knocked out. He got he got really scrambled in this fight. That's two. And I will tell you, as a fighter, man, look at. And I don't know what's happened in the gym, but I will tell you, I don't care what it is. You get three. That's it. Stop. Don't do it anymore. Because th those are things that will affect you in your life later on. And your life later on has so much going for it. And and Daniel, you can look at and say, look, at he's got all the commentary that he can do with the UFC. You're talking about other sports. Look, at he's got wrestling. There's, you know, the Olympics and things like that. Daniel Cormier could be a commentator during the Olympics for whoever's doing it, be it, you know, NBC, ESPN, whoever's got the Olympics that year. Daniel Cormier is one of your guys on Greco-Roman. Who else is better? It used to be Jeff Blatnick used to do it, and Daniel Cormier is the perfect guy to step into that role. He's got so much going for him. Fighting has gotten him to this point, and he needs to be grateful for it, and I know he is, but he, he owes nothing, and that's the whole thing. Sometimes, you know, you feel like you owe it to other people. Sometimes you feel like you owe it to yourself. He owes nothing. Nothing. He has given everything. He has been everything that you can ask for in a fighter. He has been that guy. He has been the guy that is, he's helped others. He's brought other guys along. He's taught them things about, hey, being mature, what to do with their money, how to handle the pressures of the fight, how to handle the media. He's been that mentor. He has done everything in front of the camera the right way. He's done everything in the cage the right way. He's done everything behind the scenes the right way and i still say i don't care if he fights again or not dc's legend is set he has been a legendary fighter he won the strike force grand prix coming in as an alternate he came into the ufc he became a light heavyweight champion he became the heavyweight champion you can't ask for anything else yeah <clears throat> no i agree with you 100 um 
Yeah, I, I think for me personally, I think he would, if anything, I think he feels like he owes it to himself and that would be the only person that he owes it to. And that would be it. Like, <clears throat> given the fact that, you know, he kind of relinquished the light heavyweight title, then he came on to be heavyweight, and then he didn't want to make the weight cut anymore. I understand. I think he wanted to try to finish out on top. He wanted to try and finish out with no, with no losses. I think everybody wants to do that. It's the hardest thing to yeah. do is walk away in the sport when you're on top. Um, I, I, feel, I feel very much like you that... This is a moment for him to go ahead and start thinking about being a commentator for the Olympics, for, for you know, for football, for basketball, for whatever it is, because he can cover everything. I've sat and talked with him about football. He's very educated about that. I wouldn't be surprised if we were to see him sitting alongside our buddy Mauro Ronello calling WWE, exactly, because he's a huge WWE fan. I, huge dude, fan. I can see NXT. I could see him there. Exactly. Yeah. So we're on the same page. But I'm going to reverse you and rewind you a little bit, um, okay. to. The Romero fight, where he had taken the knee, kind of like right on the waistline. It looked like from the angle that they showed on the T, it kind of looked like it was on the waistline. Yep, um, it was. Yeah, is that what we're looking for for growing shots, or does it have to now no. clearly hit the cup? Here, here, here's the whole point. I talked to Jason Herzog, the referee of that fight, and there's two things that you need to look at with that. First off, as a referee, many times you see what occurs, and you also hear what occurs and when you hear things it gives you information so obviously when paulo throws the knee it actually does come up right above the cup is where the knee basically landed but his shin and the lower legs swung into that cup and made a that jason could hear he sees where the shot landed and he sees that that leg comes into that cup and he hears it which tells him hey he was hit to the groin not intentionally but I will tell you that I think that Paulo Costo, being a very intelligent fighter, I'm very impressed with this kid's fight IQ because I've done fights with him, and he stays with what he wants to do. He stays in his range. He got hurt by Yoel Romero. And many times, Josh, you know, we'll talk about fighters when fouls occur. They, they, they you know, by accident. They, they occur when a fighter is retaliating because they feel like they've been fouled and they're going to do something back. They also foul when they're hurt. And Paulo Costa was hurt by Yoel. He got hit with a knee straight up the middle. You see him go back. He was hurt and he brought that knee up, not really caring where it landed because if it lands in a bad area, he's going to get time to recover. That's a smart fighter. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I actually think that it helped him in that fight because he got a chance to get his head clear have some time. Yoel got his time, but that little bit of a foul, I don't think it was quite as accidental as many people would think as far as where it landed, and that means that, you know what? Paul Costa is a thinking fighter. He's smart. There was also someone that I had, one of the fighters who fought on that card also, he was uh, he ended up getting knocked out in the fight, but him and some of his family had reached out to me, and they were talking about how he wants to get back in the cage right away. I'm not going to bring up any names, but they're already talking about him trying to book another fight. And I know there's a suspension period. We all know there's a suspension period, but he already is trying to get back in the gym this week, and I've made it very clear, and I'm, I've, I want to make sure that I reach out to all the fighters that potentially listen to our show, is that they should understand during this time, that suspension period is for your health and your benefit. And I know it seems like we all want to be tough guys, but the one thing that I can tell, I can tell people is that 
I had never been knocked out in my life. I I got knocked out by by ease, but that was more to me was like a like cut off the short circuit because he hit me in the you neck. You got what's called a brachial stun. Yeah, so I I was still kind of awake when I hit. Everything yeah, was you're good. Awake. You just I just couldn't move. So to me, like yeah, sure, I felt fine after that. No, um, you know, like concussion symptoms or anything for that fight. I got dropped in training, um, you know, by somebody, and like later, this was at the, towards the end of my career, and. I thought it was okay to keep training, keep working out, keep doing all these things because I was nope. already I was getting closer to the fight. And then I noticed that every little time I took a shot, I was stunned. Later than I when I went on to the doctors and talked to them, he's like, "No, you have to understand that every time your body overheats, anytime you work out, anytime you break a sweat, anytime your your uh, blood pressure gets up high, you're doing more brain damage as your brain is injured already. You're causing more brain damage. So the number one thing you can do is just rest. Don't do anything that's super active and just rest. If you want to have a long career, and I'm just simply saying this because the person who reached out to me is a friend of mine, and I just want to make sure that it's very clear for all these young fighters. If you get dropped in training, be more of a man to sit against the wall or leave and go to a doctor and see them. And just just remember, the length of your career is dependent upon this. It's dependent on you being smart. It's dependent on what your coach is telling you. Like, there's no reason for you to do another round. It's okay. Like, go ahead and train more. No, that is not the answer. Wait, taking 15 days off and 30 days off in a 10-year career is not that big of a deal when you think about it. If you guys are lucky to have a 20-year career like I did, like then you should be thinking to yourself, 15 to 30 days off is not a big deal. Think long-term. Don't think short-term in these scenarios. No matter what the money situation is or anything along those lines, you'll get back in there and you'll get an opportunity. I just think it's best to rest your mind and rest your body during that time to recover. Yeah, the easiest way to try to get people graphically to, to look at this. First off, if you have that concussion, you shouldn't even be doing things that you're thinking about situations or, you know, concentrating on something. You don't read. You know, I tell everyone, you get that concussion, hey, just go go veg. Just take time off because I want you to think about when, you know, if you've seen Uriah Faber when he fought, you know, Jose Aldo and looked at his leg. How, how smart do you think it would be after that fight to say, for Uriah to say, I'm just going to get kicked in the leg a couple more times now? It, he would, no one would think, even think of doing that, but that's what happens when guys get dinged in the gym, and now you're going back and getting dinged again. Even if it's not one that's putting you out, it is putting chips and gouges into your ability to take a shot, and it, you're going to pay for it in the end. It's going to shorten your career. You've got to think about, you know, if you got if you break your arm and you come into the gym in a cast, no one expects you to start rolling. All right. They don't expect you to start sparring because they realize you, you, you have had an injury that you need to recover from. Well, your brain is, is the most important thing you have in this sport. And it is more sensitive, more gentle and needs more care than any other part of your body. Yeah, and just, I, I didn't, the one thing that caught me off guard when I had met with the doctor, and he's like, yeah, anything you do that causes your brain to work while you've been, yep. I've suffered from a concussion, or so, that's a brain damage. You're causing more damage as you do that. Like you're you were saying, yourself. this most simplest thing is a, as if like reading could do more damage. Little things like that. Just relax, focus on other things that are not involved with like making your brain work or your body work to, to raise your blood pressure, to raise your, to get your, your body sweating, you know, getting that um, metabolism up is not what you want to do. You want to just relax and rest. Yeah, and, and, and what people don't realize, 
it's not like you're going to forget your name. That's not going to happen right away. But where you'll see it is I'd give you a balance test where you were able to hold yourself on one foot for a while. All of a sudden, you, you can't hold that balance. That's what that injury does. Your brain now is not able to do what it was capable of doing before. You've got to take care of yourself. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, uh, what, uh, we were going to talk about Connecticut this weekend because we're both headed out oh, there yeah. on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about uh, the fights on there. We actually had another meeting got, earlier today that we were talking about. What fight are you looking forward to the most? Which one is it that you go, that's the fight I really want to see? Uh, the fight I want to see the most is Javier I just want to see Javier because I like Javier <laughs> a lot. I like Javier So he, um, to me, he, we're, you Bellator's not doing him any favors. We talked about this earlier today on our... Uh, favors? Yeah, they're not doing him any favors. They're basically saying that we're going to give you all the best guys and sink or swim, baby. And he's been he's been able to do it. He's been had some great showings. I've enjoyed watching a fight with the Frank Mir fight. Um... You know, I uh, had great performance there. I mean, like, he's just, all in all, I mean, I think he is that, he's ready to make that next jump. And now he's fighting the former champion of Minikoff. I think it's going to be, he has an opportunity to, like, basically make himself right there in that title. Will it be Bader or will it be Czech Congo next for him? That's the question, if he wins this fight. Yeah, I, I look at that fight. I think that's going to be a, a really good fight. I think Minikoff needs to do certain things to be successful. And if he doesn't do those things, I think Javi Ayala beats him because Javi, look at Javi can take, he can take damage. He can take shots and he is a grinding guy who, he, and he's just strong as a freaking ox. And he just continues. If he gets you against the cage, he just does little things that just slowly systematically break you down. So that's going to be a great fight, but I am really looking forward to the main event. I think that that's a great matchup of styles between Mitrione and, and Karatanov. Karatanov is not the guy that people think. You know, he's a huge guy when you look at him, and he's got, you know, he's got really good boxing. He's not the kickboxer that people think he is. He is a boxer. He sets his feet, but he throws. You watch his fight against Roy Nelson, man. He throws a stiff left jab. He freaking just almost knocked Roy's head back with that jab multiple times. Then he brings in the uppercuts. And, you know, then when he brings in the other elements with the knees, it was too much for Roy. But Mitrione has got the talent to stay outside of that and to cause him problems. But I do think that I think Sergei Karatanov is going to look to take Mitrione off of his feet. If, you know, any anybody that's given Mitrione a problem has gotten him off his feet. If you don't get Mitrione off of his feet, he's a handful for anybody in the, in the fight game. He can take on any heavyweight in the stand-up. The ground, like Ryan Bader showed, is his weakness. If you're going to say he's got a weakness, he's not as good down there. And I think you're going to see uh, Mitrione trying to keep himself elusive, and I think you're going to see Karatanov trying to just hunt him down, get him towards the fence, and try to take him down from there. But I think it's going to be a three-round fight. I don't think it's going to be fast. I know it was fast last time off of the foul, but I think it's really going to be a good fight. Yeah, I... I look at it this way. I think that he needs to follow suit on with his using his Sambo to tr threaten the takedown. It doesn't mean that he needs to get it, but that will keep Matt uh, hesitant on overcommitting on shots, overcommitting on uh, the kicks, all those things that potentially may get him taken down. So I think him, as long as he's pressing to the fence, he did really good work against Roy Nelson against the fence, did really good work in the clinch, great knees. That's what eventually ended up ending the fight pretty much was the, the devastating knees that finished the fight. So then if he's able to, or able to start 
focusing and pushing Matt to the fence. The problem is, though, he's got to catch Matt. And Karatanov is a lot slower than Matt Mitrione. And being able to cap it, capture him against the fence, keep him pressed there, that's going to be the hardest part for him because he kind of just stands his ground and waits for you to kind of come to him. And Matt's going to be moving around, moving around. Now, where I think Karatanov will be able to get the win is be later in the fight. Because Matt does tend to get tired, you know, whether it's wrestling or whether it's just even a stand-up fight, even when he fought big country. He was starting to slow down halfway through the second round, and then it didn't get any better in the third round. So Karatanov just needs to keep pressing the pace, keep pressing the pace, and making Matt move around too much to the point where he gets fatigued and tired. To able to catch him, not just with strikes, but also able to catch him and press him in the fence and probably try to wear on him a little bit. Matt may be taller, but I think I think uh, Karatanov just is like that short stump, but like yeah, I know he's big, but I'm saying he's just that that stumpy of a guy who just when he weighs on you, I can just imagine what it feels like versus what Matt would feel like if the roles were reversed. Yeah, the other the other heavyweight fight, the one that's going to start off the main card with Tyrell Fortune. I I love Tyrell Fortune. I think he is a dynamite athlete, man. He is fast, and his stand-up, you watch his last fight. I can't say the guy's name right, Ryan Poforsky, or I, I'm saying it wrong, and Poforsky, but, man, he looks so good. And, and I know that Ryan had a professional boxing background also, and Tyrell looked so good with his hands. He was throwing combinations, getting himself in, hitting his spots, getting out before he could get touched. And just showed a level of now stepping up in the striking game to go along with world class wrestling. You know he's got a tough opponent and and Rudy. I can't say Rudy's last Scoffroth, but you know Rudy throws big shots. Has gotten everybody out. He's six and zero. I believe Tyrell's six and zero. He might be five and zero, but you know both undefeated. I both grew up in the same area. Both competed in wrestling. They were at the same school. One was no, they went to a different school, but one was a senior, one was a freshman, and this that's going to be a great opening fight for the main card. I'm really looking forward to that. It's one. always the guys like like Tyrell and guys. It reminds me of guys like Joey Davis who are starting to now develop their striking skills. And guys, yep. when they start doing that, they always can rely on their wrestling to get them out of trouble. But they can also play around a little bit with the striking. Because they're not so concerned about being taken down. And those are the guys that later on in their career will be very dangerous as long as they keep developing at a pace that will catapult them into the upper echelon of like top guys in Bellator. I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be a great fight as well. Um, what was the other fight that was on that card um, that we were talking about earlier today? Nick Newell and Corey Browning. Yes. I like that one. Yes. Nick I, Newell. I'm Nick Newell, to me, this is a big splash, a good chance for a good opportunity for him to now get back into a big promotion and showcase yep. all the skills he was doing in the PFL. So I, I'm excited. Now where he has to deal with the, you know, the hype killer like you were talking about earlier today. <laughs> Come on, can you think of a better nickname for Corey Browning? <laughs> he is the hype killer, man. <laughs> yeah. Baby Slice, who did he get? He got rid of Baby Slice and he got rid of um, Jordy Shore. So Aaron exactly. Chalmers, I mean, those are both fights he was losing. He was losing badly and just weathered the storms, came back, and he ended up getting the getting the submission win. I mean, I don't see that happening so much with Nick Newell. Nick Newell is always in phenomenal shape, always fights aggressive, always fights smart. Um, you know, he he's got little tools that he's got little tools in his back pocket that he can pull out and whip out. So I'm excited to see this fight. Corey Browning's been living on Cloud Nine and 
I think I think this may be the chance and opportunity for Nick Newell to get himself back onto that upper echelon of guys. We'll just slowly, gradually put him into uh, a big show. I'm excited for that. I, I honestly think, you know, look at he's going to be in his hometown. He's going to have a ton of people there to watch him. And I think he's going to, you know, come out of this where he's going to have a home and he belongs. He belongs on the Bellator roster. He is that good of a fighter. He is special as far as, you know, the way people look at him. But he's just a tough down and dirty good fighter who's got good ground skills his stand-up is not bad you got to be a really good stand-up fighter to be able to take advantage of him and if you're that kind of stand-up fighter you better have good wrestling because he's gonna end up taking you down he is the full package and i, I can't wait to watch that one that's that's one of the ones on the on the prelims that i am really looking forward to seeing what happens with him and hopefully seeing him part of the bellator uh, roster and then we got Dave Rickles, who's also on the card, and he's fighting uh, the caveman. The caveman, but then he is fighting. Comes uh, out with the, the greatest walkouts of any fighter ever. I don't care who it was. Tom Lawler was fantastic, had some really good stuff. Dave Rickles has come out. He's come out with dinosaurs. He came out with the Flintstone Mobile one. I was at that fight. I actually sat in his Flintstone Mobile. The thing was real. It was awesome. He comes out with clubs. He came out as Stone Cold. You the, gotta love the mannequin done, challenge Dave, was Dave the Rickles best also. one. The mannequin challenge was the best one, though. <laughs> yeah, Got exactly. the whole yeah, crowd to do, do the mannequin challenge. To me, that was the best one because how much cooperation does that take to get the whole crowd to do that? <laughs> the whole crowd. That was in Kansas, and that's his, that's his home state. But how do you get everyone to go along with what you want to do? And you know, he's the guy is he's a special fighter. He is tough as nails, and you know he's been what more fights in Bellator than any fighter. I think this is his 23rd professional fight in Bellator and he has had a hell of a career. He is just that tough, gritty down dirty fighter that, you know, he's got, he's got better stand up than people realize he's got a better ground game than people realize he is a tough sucker, but he's got a tough fight with Amazov. That is a killer undefeated 21 and Oh, they're not doing Dave Rickles any, any favors with the guy they gave him, man. That dude is a freaking monster. Yeah, Dave's going to have to figure out how he's going to win this fight. And I'm sitting here trying to think in my mind how Dave is going to win this fight. So outside of, I think, overpressuring him and making him make a mistake, I think Amasov is better than him all the way around. It's just a matter of yep. whether Dave can push the pace, make it a tough, gritty, dirty fight to where he's able to sneak in elbows, maybe cut him, maybe drop him, maybe hit him, clip him, something along those lines. You know, he's got to get in there and make it a gritty, dirty fight. I think that's yeah. the only way he really wins this fight. But like you said, they're not doing him any favors. Yeah, there's, there's, there, there's sometimes you look and you go, you just don't like this guy now. What, what is up, man? You're just giving him killers one after the other. Well, we talked so, about Ricky Mendejas. He's on this card as well, but they didn't. They're not. They haven't done him any favors man. since he beat um, the Strabanimal, you know, and James Gallagher. Yeah. They haven't. Uh, Henry Corrales, when he first came into the organization, and wasn't given any favors. He fought all these guys, all the top guys, you know, at the time, Strauss and and Patricio Strauss, and Pitbull, yeah, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanchez. Sanchez. Fought all the top guys at the time. So these are they're certain Javi Ayala to me also too getting thrown to the wolves. But they they sometimes they get the big wins over these guys and you got to see if the cream rises to the top and that's exactly what they're doing with these guys. Yeah, well you know look at you if you want to you want to be the man you got to beat the man and that's just the way it is. But I I, I look at Ricky Bandejas, he's a good fighter, you know, and he he came in he beat James Gallagher, killed that hype right there, 
Then they put him against Juan Archuleta, who is now fighting for the featherweight title against Pitbull. He loses a decision to Juan Archuleta, and then he ran into Patchy Mix, Patrick Mix, who, look at he's special. That kid is a special fighter fighting out of Jackson Wink in New Mexico. He's 11-0 now. He submits everybody. He is good, and you know, Ricky made one mistake in trying to get up, gave his back right away, and that's where Patrick comes. He's ready for that. And, you know, he was It was just a tailor-made fight for him. We'll see how Ricky's uh, doing. He's been training down an American top team now. I know he's doing a whole big change and everything. We'll see if that helps him. You know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad because you're with that new camp and there's just you know, not enough time. We're going to see because he's going against a very good striker and we're going to see how he comes out in that. But, you know, I want to see him do well. I want to see him have the same recovery that a guy like Henry Corrales had. I, I always hate when guys change camps. Um, <laughs> sometimes there's a need for it. Sometimes there isn't. One or yep. two losses in a row doesn't mean there's a need for it. It just means that there's a need for a change in the game plans sometimes. So maybe that's something you could settle down and maybe you need to work on more on yourself, not so much with your coaches. Um, yeah, for I, I've felt that way um, for years. I felt like when guys lose, they're quick to to jump ship. When instead they should maybe focus more on, in, in Ricky's case, maybe focus more on jiu-jitsu at that, for that fight and maybe previously before that focus more on jiu-jitsu. Um, yep. you know, you you can't get it done in, in a, in a six to eight week period to develop your jujitsu skills, to, to be a top guy who's a good jujitsu guy. And all we had ever heard about Patrick's mix was that when he got on your back, he was the human backpack and guys were human raving, raving about him for years, talking about how good he was down at, uh, Jackson wink and how, when he got on you or when he's on top or any type of position, he's quick to get to the back and he does it so well. And uh, that's exactly what we saw in the Ben Ahas fight. But I, I'm, I get nervous when guys have their first fight in a new in a new gym, because they try to mesh in the new stuff that they're the new coaches are telling them. But they also don't want to get away from the old stuff that they were doing that was winning them fights. So it's a tough situation because you don't want to lose what you had that you were good with to start developing all the new stuff that they want you to that they they want you to to work on. And uh, yeah. sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But there's always some growing pains with a move, you know. Um, and so I really like Medejas a lot. I'm a very, very, very nice guy. I'm excited for him. I hope that he gets this win, gets back on track. You know, um, to me, I feel like he's extremely marketable being on the East Coast. And just he has that personality. Just He just comes out and slays the Dragons. You know, he tries to do his best. But they didn't do him any favors. And they haven't done him any favors since he's been in this organization. So, uh, you know, I want him to have continued success. I like to see these guys rise to the top. So, yep. All right. Got to know, did you see the Conor McGregor punching an old man in the bar? Did you see that? What in the hell is that guy thinking? I I love the guy, you know, and, and I love a lot of what he's done. But, man, he's, he better start fighting because he's going he's gonna to step on his meat more times when he's not in the gym. I just don't understand him. What do you, what do you think is going to come of that? I don't care if there's no cameras. Someone's going to say, what the hell are you doing? I don't even know what to say to you. I can't. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no response. I really have no response. My response is, is I have no response. I just don't know what to say. Exactly. Like, realistically, like someone, I, I tried to watch it back a couple times because I wasn't sure if he had punched him or if he had just thrown the shot of whiskey in his face and he had the glass yeah. there because it kind of looked like he just threw the whiskey glass, like is the drink in his face. Yeah. Uh, because... 
you would think if the guy hit him that the old man would have went down, but he the guy just kind of stayed sitting there like no big deal. No, he's a tough Irishman. He's at yeah. a bar. He's never going down. <laughs> Come never on, going give him some down. credit. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what the the I don't Apparently he offered him a drink. The guy didn't want to take it, so he threw it in his face, or he, he punched him or whatever. And look, I've said this before. When somebody has fuck you money, that's really what he has. He feels like he can do well, things he ain't like gonna that. Have fuck you money for long if he keeps on doing things like this because he's been handing that fuck you money out yeah. to a lot of people. He's been handing it out to guys with cell phones. He's been handing it out to guys when he's throwing things into buses. Yep. That money won't last forever. You keep on handing it out, trying to get rid of these problems. It makes me want to go find him and try to fight, start a fight with him on the street. Oh hell <laughs> yeah, dude! Like, I like the guy. We get along, and I'm going to go up there and say, "Just, just punch me, dude. I just need some money. I need some cash." <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we had that incident in Bellator where he hit uh, MJ. Remember, I'm like, yeah, when when uh, one of his guys had fought, and then he had ran Charlie into the Ward. cage. Yep. Charlie Ward came and he, he won the fight by knockout, I believe. And uh, yep. he, he came running into the cage. They tried to separate it, and the whole ordeal, you know, changed into something where, you know, the ref tried to break him up, and there was some altercation, and the MJ was, you know, trying to separate the whole deal, and bap. Just end up with these yeah, situations. I, I looked at that whole situation, and that was one of those ones. It's like, Connor, do you not, do you not see what you're doing? You're taking the spotlight away from your guy. What are you thinking? This is his moment. Don't take that away. You, you, you're, you're stepping on it, dude. You're not thinking. You're not using that brain. And you're a smart guy, but he stole that moment from Charlie Ward. And, and that's something you, know, you just can't do. My question is, do we see him again? Yeah, yeah. You're actually going to see him fight again. I think, you know, look, at he's going to have to. He's got to get himself straight as far as, look, he's got to get on a schedule where he's fighting. Because he needs that, he needs that structure. If he doesn't have structure in his life, if he doesn't have that, I am working towards this, and I am having to be here at this time, and I'm training. He is a guy that look at. He can't deal with everything that's coming his way. You know, you really, you know, the things people have no idea what is being thrown towards him. They have no idea the opportunities that are just presented to him. And, you know, he's still young, you know, he's 30 years old and we think that we're really smart when we're 30 years old and we're not, we're dumb as can be. You know, I, I always look at, you know, people ask all the time. I said, you know, look at, I would love to be 25, 30 years old again. Love to love to be able to do what I was able to do back then. But if I had to have the brain that I had when I was 30, I had to take that instead of what I know now. No, I won't do it because. Yeah, you grow up, you learn, and knowledge is everything. And he's gonna learn that you know what? All these things they have they have created problems in my life that I never had to have. You know, he doesn't need to have those things. But when you're presented with all of these nice things and people presenting themselves to you, sometimes it's hard to get yourself out of there. Yeah, I was just uh when you were talking right there and you said you know, he's 30 years old and like, you know, just making bad decisions and you're not as smart as you normally are at 30 years old. I was just thinking to myself that producer Dave is 30 and uh, he's not very bright either sometimes. And so, <laughs> 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 uh, a shot from the bow. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to wrap us for today. What do you think? 
Sounds good to me, man. I can't wait to see you in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bridgeport, Connecticut. I, what t- I, I land on uh, Wednesday night. Are you going Wednesday or Thursday? I'm there Thursday morning. Oh, Thursday morning, because I get there like midnight on thir- on Wednesday. So Yeah, that's because you're coming from the West, Coast, West Coast, and now I'm coming from the East. Uh, must be nice sometimes. It's all good. <laughs> all right, my man. <laughs> Great show, and uh, hey, I will talk to you on Wednesday or Thursday. I'll Sounds Thursday. good, brother. You okay. take care of yourself. Take it easy, bud.